you have your Bibles, turn with me. We'll be reading uh, some scriptures, and some of them might be a little, uh, you know, quick because I have to preach fast. Amen. And I was thinking about this before I got up to preach after 57, I believe it's, let's see, 1962, uh, 57 years of ministry. I was thinking about this this morning, and uh, a true minister and servant of the Lord, uh, I believe this this is true. I mean, of course, you can have regular nervousness, but leading up to the time you speak for God, there's always a travail in your soul. There's a travail to know what God wants to say, and a travail then to bring it forth under the authority of God, because we know that the flesh accomplishes nothing. As the Bible says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So I was just thinking about that travail this morning. There's times that all of us go through travail in prayer when we're facing things and when things that we've got to deal with. But I was just thinking, I'd never thought about it exactly that way as the travail of a true minister and a true servant of God. They, they carry that. I've been thinking about this. this might, uh, the times have changed a little bit during this uh, period that Brother Jerry and Sister Elaine have been away, but I've been thinking about this message the whole time, thinking I was going to go another direction, but I just couldn't. The Lord brought me back this direction. So you lay awake at night, you think, you pray. Sometimes God just drops something in your heart like that. Sometimes it's a battle and a struggle to hear, to know for sure what the Lord wants you to say. But I believe this is what the Lord wants me to deal with this morning is, uh, uh, can you be sure of it? Yes, you must be sure of it. Uh, you know, and I want to read a scripture in a minute. I didn't realize till just a few moments ago, after all this time in the scripture, I didn't realize exactly where this uh, scripture was situated so much and located. Uh, and and it, it's sort of going to maybe boggle your mind just a little bit. But anyway, in Hebrews chapter 7, it says... Uh, in chapter 7 and verse uh, 14, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. We know the priesthood was the Levitical tribe, but God chose Judah, which I believe the word, if I'm not mistaken, means praise. Isn't that what Judah means, is praise? And uh, But Jesus came unusually out of the tribe of Judah, not out of the tribe of the Old Testament Levitical priesthood, which uh, was symbolic of the coming great eternal high priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before, for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in, hallelujah, of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh to God. Now the question arises, then why did God give the law if the law made nothing perfect? What was the law really to accomplish? Well, there are different aspects of the law, and I've talked about this before. There was the 
the sacrificial, the types and shadows, the civil aspect to govern Israel. Uh, there was uh, uh, dietary laws and all these things. But the main thing, the moral law that we think is the Ten Commandments, uh, could people not draw close to God in the Old Testament? Could people not have intimacy with God in the Old Testament? Well, certainly we know they could. We know Abraham was the friend of God before the Mosaic Law was given. But they could not have the finalized version of the completed work of Jesus in all of its fullness as we have today with the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. And so the law was given twofold reason to show man the exceeding sinfulness of sin. So what the law is saying, Lord is saying here when He says that the law is disannulled, He's not saying moral principles are put aside. He's saying, I gave this law to show you that if you deviated and you tried to become righteous in your own religious flesh, in your own religious efforts to please me, how far short that you would fall. We all know that if we'll admit the truth. If we examine ourselves and we admit we're sinners, because a lot of people that have not been saved, they, they think they're pretty good people. After you get saved and you've been saved a while in your heart, you know what propensity, what nature of sin you have. I mean, a lot of people don't think they do wrong until they get caught up with, and then then they say, a lot of times they apologize, if I've done something wrong, or this or that or the other. If it's not godly repentance, it's no good anyway. Worldly repentance works death. Being caught up with, being sorry you got caught, being caught for the penalty you're going to have to pay, all of those things work death, the Bible says, but godly repentance worketh salvation. It actually says it works it. When people come to the point that they're willing to say, God, I'm sorry about this because I displeased you, God. It's not that I'm being caught. It's not that I've got a penalty. It's not all the shame and reproach that's going to come down on me. God, it's that I am so sorry, Lord, that and I'm turning because I do not want to displease you. I want to please my Creator, God. I want to please you in everything I do. And I repent. I turn from this primarily and first of all. Because of godly repentance, I repent towards you, God. We have to understand that. And half and more of the repentance, maybe I don't know what percent, is not even accepted by God. And then people come along and say, well, if I did anything wrong. No, if you have to repent, apologize, or confess, there's no ifs about it. You find out if you've got to ahead of time. Get the if out of it. That's a sham repentance. That's a sham confession. If you do somebody wrong and God shows you that, don't put an if in there. If I did this. I don't know why I'm going off in that direction. But it says the, the law was weak. And Paul tells us later how it was weak. In Romans, he said, what the law could not do in that it was weak, how? Through the flesh. There's nothing wrong with God's moral principles ever. There's nothing wrong with what God said we should be and should not be. It was just that He wanted to show man how he was self-righteous. How he would try to be what God wanted to be in his own strength. How he would try to please Him and get glory unto Himself even in religion. Many people do that. And so it said it was given to show the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And then it was given as a schoolmaster. To lead us to Christ. How many of you know? Yes, the revelation was there in the Old Testament as well. 
that a Messiah was coming. It didn't start when Jesus got in the womb of Mary. They knew it all through the Old Testament. They knew it in the Garden of Eden. Jesus stood as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And He gave the first lamb representative to Adam and Eve when He shed the blood of that animal and put those skins upon them and an innocent died to cover the nakedness of the guilty. And then shortly thereafter, when He called and they had children, He called Abel and Cain to bring a sacrifice. The Bible says, they were instructed because I know. It says, by faith Abel offered unto God. That means He had the Word. You can't have faith without the Word. Faith cometh by hearing. They had the Word of what kind of sacrifice God wanted. Cain had the Word just like Abel did. But Cain brought his own goodness He brought His self-righteousness, His works of the field. He didn't listen to God. And the Bible says clearly, Abel brought unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now notice this. By the which He obtained witness that He was righteous. God testifying of His gifts, and by it He being dead, yet liveth. And then what did He tell Cain even after He brought a rejected sacrifice? He said, if you will do well, you will be accepted. But if not, sin is lying at your door. You can't go another way except God's way. You can't go any way except the sacrifice of a Savior. Old Testament saints needed a Savior. They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. They didn't pray exactly in Jesus' name the way you and I do till the transition was made. But they knew He was coming. David said, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set on my right hand until your enemies be made your footstool. Abraham said, God said, Abraham, He saw my day. Abraham, before the Mosaic Law, He saw my day and He rejoiced to see it. Praise God. And so it says here, Why was there a disannulling of the commandment? That doesn't mean moral principles have been set aside. It means clearly now God's accomplished His purpose. He showed humankind. But there's still people that try to live by the law. There's still people that try to be religious by their own efforts. There's still people. But the Bible says there is none good. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God wants yet to restore glory into our lives. And so it was unprofitable through the flesh. The flesh could not meet God's standard. The flesh could never pay the price for sin. And that song talked about how many times we've depended on God. And I'll get to just uh, introduce this as all, but see that your whole life is a walk of faith. The Bible says we live by faith, we walk by faith, we stand by faith, and we die by faith. It's a whole, once you get saved, there's no way out of it. Once you get saved, God says, I'm calling you to become a person of, of assurance. I'm calling to you to fight the good fight of faith. I'm calling you to do the battle. Every situation you must come to control. You must put your foot down in. I won't let you go without faith. I I won't let you operate without faith. You can't live without faith once you're saved. It's a faith covenant. You've got to live by faith. And God will see to it that there's one situation of faith right behind another that comes into your life. And He says, okay, we've got a new situation of faith here. So they know they need to try to dodge it. Everybody here, if you've been serious with God, you've had tremendous battles of faith to fight. But I like what the song said. I may lose a battle now and then, 
but I've already won the war. Praise God. And the Bible says a just man will fall seven times, but he rises up again. You can't keep a good man down. I mean, it's the goodness of the Lord in us. You can't keep him down. He may get knocked down while he's trying to believe. He may get knocked down before he arrives at faith. He may get knocked down before God certifies that he has genuine, authentic faith. But the Bible says that's why it calls him a just man. I don't really need this water because I'm salivating anyway. But that's why the Lord calls him a just man. The just man means to be declared in right standing. And by faith is the only way we can come to a place of right standing. So that's why it says a just man falls seven times. He wasn't just or justified in right standing on six times, but on the seventh time, which is a form of perfection, God said, okay, son, daughter, you got faith now. Get up uh, because you're established. Uh, now you can move. Now you've got authority. Now you can get up and be declared in right standing with God. And you're not going to be getting knocked down in this situation anymore. You've risen over it. You have conquered it. You will rule and you will reign over this situation I thank God for all faith I thank God that we can come and get miracles but a lot of your life is not going to be a sudden miracle it's going to be a progression of faith and between the start to where you believe for victory and that this will not dominate you and will not conquer you between the time where you start to believe over a situation you're going to get hit you're going to get hit because faith is not faith unless it's tested. Faith is not faith unless it's tried. Faith is not faith unless God Himself, the great judge of heaven, certifies that you have faith. You say, well, I have faith. God says, really? I'm the one that makes the final determination. If you have faith, you can start believing, but you don't have faith till you arrive at the destination where God certifies you and imputes righteousness to your account and sets His grace into your life. Now, while you're believing, He will support you and He will encourage you on. And when you get knocked down, as long as you're believing, but you've got to understand the end result is coming to full faith. I'm not getting very far on this. Anyway, but He said, But the bringing in of better hope did which were drawn out of God, and inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said in him, The Lord swear and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much more was Jesus made, notice this, a surety of a better testament. I want you to know the foundation of God standeth sure. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It didn't say try to depart from iniquity. I've, 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 I've been, I haven't never gone out and thanks be unto God, been immoral as a preacher in the world. But there have been many times that immorality has tried to besiege my mind. But I don't accept it as for me unless I start cooperating with it somewhere along the way. I accept this from the devil. And then I wage war. I wage war. You don't have the right devil to put this in my mind. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive. I have power and authority over you. In the name of Jesus, you go. I will not accept this. I saw that movie, The Overcomer, recently. Did anybody get to go see that yet? Where she's counseling the young girl. Or is that, was that where the movie was? Where, where I saw it, but anyway. 
Or it was one movie where she said, uh, maybe I can't remember if that was where it was. She was being counseled. She said, I just feel attracted to, I think it was to her own, somebody said that. I don't, I've lost my track of where that was, but I feel attracted. I, I just feel attracted to my own sex. I just feel attracted. And the state was made. All sin starts with a feeling. You can be attracted to fornicate. You can be attracted to sex outside of marriage. You can be attracted to transgenderism. By my God, the the feeling and the thought go together. You're the one that has to determine whether that feeling is a God feeling. If it's not a God feeling, then you don't have the right to change it. You don't have the right to give in to your feelings. You've got to rise up and fight a battle. You've got to fight a war and say, this is not who I was meant to be. If this was who I was meant to be, God would have created me in a different way. I stand up and I fight the battle until I stand justified in the sight of God. Surety. Jesus has made the surety. Now He wants me and you to be sure that these things are faith. Now Romans 1 7 says this The righteousness of God is revealed from heaven. The righteousness is revealed. Righteousness. You come in right standing. Not self-righteousness. See, you can get self-righteousness. You've got it on this earth with your trying and your doing. The righteousness of God is revealed from heaven. Where? From faith to faith. You go from one faith situation to the next. God says, I'm not going to put too many faith situations on you that you can't handle at one time if you'll be trusting me and trying to work with me. But He didn't say some of them are going to be heavy. He said the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you would like to have a big pocket full of gold right now? How much it is an ounce? I think I can stand the pocket full. Even if it's sort of pulling my pants down a little like this up here preaching. Somebody wants to come fill my pocket with gold, I'll take it. But I tell you what, I take more than money. I tell you, I can take what you can't buy. I wouldn't sell out to the trial. I've been through hell and high water, and you have too. I've been through battles with panic. I've been through battles with fear. I've been through battles with temptation. I've been through battles with bills. I've been through battles by fighting for my marriage to be a good marriage. I've been through battles, you know, believing in my kids when they came up. But we always stood on the promises. God, if this is your promise, then we can be sure of it. And I accept nothing less than surety in the name of Jesus. I will, may doubt at first, I may battle like the man said, Lord, I believe. Help them, I believe. God honored his honesty. And then God will get you to a place where you can believe. So the Bible says, cast not away your confidence with had great recompense of reward. See, what, what, what would have happened if they had to quit marching around Jericho on day six? Did that make any sense? Do you think while they were marching around those walls, all those people, they thought, I wonder if we're going to die after this. I wonder what day they're going to come out and slaughter us. I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if this is going to do any good. I've never seen anything like this work. This doesn't make any sense. But they kept on marching. And you know their faith got stronger. And they didn't get killed on the first day. (laughs) And they'd be killed on the second or the third day. And Joshua, whoever the leader was at that time, said, let's do it. Seventh day, who said it? What did they do? They broke their pictures and 
and and and what was it they shouted the uh, oh that maybe that was Gideon sword of the Lord and of Gideon but they broke their pictures and the lights came forward made no sense they couldn't have got it it says by faith the walls of Jericho fell down your walls can't fall till you get faith you got to keep marching you got to keep believing you cannot accept defeat you cannot allow the devil to tell you it won't work when you having doubts and uncertainties you just got to get up and tell the Lord, Lord, I, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm believing you the best I can. Lord, bring me to faith. I'm, I'm going to keep saying what you say, and I'm going to keep seeing in my mind what you say. And you keep saying it, and you keep seeing it, and you do what you can to show your faith. There'll come a day you say, wow, I believe that. And then all of a sudden, God, the Father and Jesus, Son, say, impute righteousness to His account. Put Him down as righteous in this area. And boom, then grace comes and everything changes. Hallelujah to God. Well, I hadn't even got started yet, so I guess that means I can preach the second part of the third, maybe a little bit of the second through the tenth part in the second service. But here I want to get over that verse just to tell you that I talked about in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Sort of ties in amazingly with Brother Brett. I didn't make quite the connection till I look because this is going to be one of my theme verses and uh, Paul actually in the these entire verses the first several verses talking about that we groan in this tabernacle we're burdened we've all been burdened we've all had sickness at times we've all been confronted with uh, our mortality we know it was unusual for me because yesterday and we got a call last night I went to pick out mine and Della's burial plots and uh, I'd been praying about it a few years, you know, where the Lord wanted to put us. And, man, I was trying to decide if I wanted to be over here in the shade or out in the sun. I mean, I think it's the same temp down about six feet in. Could I want to be over by the woods where the deer are or just out in the, you know, broad open daylight? But anyway, so... This passage, Paul is talking about, we groan sometimes in this body because we're weak, we're mortal. This is not going, we can pray and pray, but we're not going to get a mortal body until we get to the other side until the Lord gives us the resurrection. Our spirits will be with God immediately. But then he goes on down in verse uh, 6. In this verse he says, we're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Now, we're not really absent from the Lord in the sense of intimacy and fellowship. But we are absent in the fullest sense of measure and the full totality and glory that we're going to have. We won't need faith when we get to heaven. But then right in there in the middle of that, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. I never had noticed that much that that verse was right in the midst of this all this great exposition Paul is giving about being absent from the body. And then the next verse, Paul says, We're confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's where God wants to get us to when our time comes. I'm willing, God. I'm more than willing. I'm ready. And we hear saints that say that I'm ready. I'm ready. That's the way I want to be. I want to leave a testimony. I've prayed a lot of times about my home going already. 
I'm not going to wait until the very last minute. I said, Lord, arrange it however you want to. Lord, let me leave a testimony, God. Let me be a blessing in my last breath, Father. I, I pray. I believe what I pray. The Bible says a wise man looks forward. He, he looks ahead, of, you know, and, and foresees the evil and hides himself. I want God to be in total control. And later the Apostle Paul said, I'm, I'm in a straight between two, having a desire to depart be with Christ, which is far better. Far better. But I never noticed that this, we walk by faith, was right in the middle of this passage on going home to be with the Lord. That was, till this morning, it was sort of unusual to me. So, in closing, the writer of Hebrews said, don't cast away your confidence. And I didn't get to a lot of the other verses on surety. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. If God is a surely God and Jesus is a surely payment and sacrifice, then we must become surely people. We can't stay doubters, unbelievers. Even though you're going to go time when thoughts, you're trying to believe God, thoughts are dominating you, emotions are fluctuating Pain is penetrating. Circumstances are negating. And strength is deteriorating. When all that's happening, you have got to quit obsessing on the problem. You have got to say, I don't care. I don't care. I will obsess upon the surety of my Jesus. I will obsess upon the victory of my God. I'm not denying these things are here. My emotions have not changed yet. I'm still fighting some doubts and uncertainties and worries and anxieties and negativity. I'm still fighting some of that. But daily I'm resisting it. I am becoming a surely person in this situation of faith. I say the devil can't win. Jesus is a surety covenant. He can't lie. I must become a surety person. I will not stop until I I believe the victory in this situation. Let's stand to our feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah.